I'm joined in the studio today by Chrissy Regan. Chrissy's been here a few times before um, promoting her books, but this time I thought I'd like to get to know Chrissy the person. So welcome, Chrissy. Oh, thank you very much for having me back. I love coming to see you, actually. Oh, we're a good station here, aren't we? We are a good station, and you're yeah. a very great host because you make me feel comfortable. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't hurt this radio interview thing, does it? No, it doesn't hurt. It's nice to be able to share them. And, um, in fact, town, Mentally Healthy City Townsville shared our last interview. Did they? Yes. So um, they were also interested in we talked about well-being yeah. and mindfulness and stuff like that. And they shared that amongst the Townsville community. So you're well known now in Townsville. Oh. <laughs> we should start asking for royalties. <laughs> That's it. But anyhow, let's go right back. Chrissy Regan, mm-hmm. where yes. does it start? Oh, golly gosh. Um, well, I grew up on a cattle station inland of northwest of Charters Towers on the on the Greenvale Road. I was born in Townsville um, and lived on a cattle station till I was 14. Yeah. Then we moved into Charters Towers and I stayed there until I finished high school. You would have gone to school in Charters Towers as, so, yeah. as a boarder perhaps? I was a boarder at All Souls and St. Gabriel's from 1987 to 1990. Yeah. Um, that's when St Gabriel's was a separate campus before they merged back in the good yeah. old days. And when you say the Greenvale Road, was it uh, the Lind Highway? Yeah, the Lind Highway. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. um, well, I, we only knew it as the Greenvale Road in those days. We didn't talk about highways. <laughs> <laughs> no, to me, the, the Greenvale Road is the road that goes. No, well, I suppose. Yeah, anyhow. Past Greenvale, then up to Harvey's Range. Yes, yeah, so yeah. that's the Lind Highway. So Southwick West Station was where I grew up. Okay. So that's um, it sits on the Fletcher River, mm-hmm. Fletcher Creek. Is it called River or Creek? It's a creek in the Basalt Country. So it was very beautiful, quite idyllic childhood. Yeah. I did school at home until I was 11. Riding horses and those sorts Riding of horses. So schoolwork tend to last about two hours each day. As soon as breakfast dishes were cleared, you did your two yeah. hours of obligatory schoolwork. And then you did your chores for the rest of the day. Yeah. Or played or messed around. And I was just chatting actually with the gentleman from Rostrum because what I, you know, in hindsight, I realised that homeschooling gave me a real independence for learning yes and um having to study the papers on your own without a teacher you became much more independent learning so when i went to university and i had lecturers who were very boring (laughs) i just stayed in my room and taught myself the content because looking back now would you recommend homeschooling um yeah i think there's a lot of benefits and obviously this year i think parents have put a lot of pressure on themselves to be excellent at homeschooling as well as maintain work commitments as well as maintain healthy happy homes and there's been a lot of pressure But, you know, I reflect on my homeschooling. I did do school for two hours each day and I absorbed enough content to go to university and get a science degree. Um, But what I learned as a child was how to cook food and how to clean up after myself and how to do chores and how to be responsible and all of those other soft skills that you don't necessarily learn in a classroom. And those are the ones that have stood me in best stead. You know, it's not written on my CV that I was homeschooled, but I certainly know the benefit that I've had as a result of my upbringing um, and the work ethic that I had to develop as a young child. So that's what was interesting, actually, this year, because I saw a lot of parents freaking out and I saw a lot of parents putting huge amount of pressure on themselves and I was kind of quite relaxed about the whole thing because I thought actually 
what we most need to do is to care for our kids, to make sure they're healthy and, and, and happy, and then just to provide them with a range of different opportunities, which yeah. they might not be getting. Wait, did you have um, brothers and sisters? So I had two older brothers and a younger sister, okay. so they were there as well. Um, and then my brothers went off to boarding school before me, and my sister um, was home alone for some time after I left. Yeah, she would have felt ripped off, wouldn't she? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and going to boarding school was a big challenge because I then had to sit in a classroom for six, seven hours a day, which yeah. I'd never done before. It was a, a new learning experience. Yeah. And Did children, you adapt to that okay? Uh, after a long time. Yeah? Yeah, like it took me a while. I was got very bored and fidgety and stopped listening and would daydream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Half the time I was away with the fairies. But I also knew what I liked and what I was good at, you know, and those are the things that I've gravitated to as I, you know, when I knew I wanted to study sport and work in sport. Yeah. I was good at sport. I liked sport. I learnt, did backyard cricket and rugby with the dad and my brothers. Yes. I ran, knew how to run fast, to get chased when, you you know, someone's coming after you with a stick or something. So <laughs> and that's just normal family that's life. That's normal family life. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed the sports. And so when I went to boarding school, I kind of, like, focused on the sports side of stuff and, yeah. you know, academically – I was a B student, you know, nothing to boast about. Some things I did well in, some things I disliked very much. So yeah. I think each of us have our innate abilities. You know, I didn't set out to conquer the world as an English literature major because I don't want to write in a, um, in a very formal way. The way yeah. I write is very conversational. It's storytelling. You know, I used to pl make up songs and poems on my swing set and I didn't have friends to play with, so yeah. I'd have to entertain myself all day long for years. <laughs> <laughs> so I made up a lot of songs and poems as a child and, you know, that's kind of the creative side of, of myself that's come out more mm. so in the last 12 months again. So let's fast forward to uni. Where mm. did you go to uni? In Lismore in northern New South Why Wales. There? They had a sports science degree that was quite practical okay. and more practical than the um, courses in Brisbane. So I was accepted into Brisbane um, Griffith Uni as well as Southern Cross in Lismore. And I took that and I'm very glad I did because I got to live with koalas in their natural habitat. I was in a smaller country town. I got a job. Yeah. I could play all the sports that I wanted. I could walk everywhere. I could ride my bike everywhere. You know, it was a much easier environment. And, you know, I still have good friends from that time. It was funny, though, because I had a very North Queensland country drawl and the kids used to tease me and call me farm girl. they go, come on, farm girl. Farm girl. And the kids from Sydney and New South Wales would laugh about the words that I use for things. So instead of saying suitcase, I said port. Yes. And they go, come on, Briggsy, get your port. <laughs> and so, or and I'd say um, togs instead of cozies. What about the bijingo? Bijingo. I can't remember asking about bijingos. But, yeah, there was a lot of words, and which was very funny because in the 16 years that I lived in the UK, I got to understand quite quickly that, you know, English people, Australian people, American people, we all have different words for things that are the same thing. Yes. So I would yeah. hold up something and I'd say, what do What's you call this? that? <laughs> and then they'd tell me what they call it and I'd have to adopt that word. So yeah. I have become quite good at recognising different... Like, I still can't quite call thongs thongs. I have to call them flip-flops still really? because in the in the UK you get such a bad... 
you know, rap when you call, when you say, I've got my thongs. I go, I beg your pardon. <laughs> it's a bit of underwear. So even it? after two years of living back in Australia, I still call thongs flip-flops because I haven't acclimatised <laughs> yet. But, yes, I'm getting there. Okay. So, well, you mentioned living in the UK. Yeah. How, what was the progression from uni to the UK? Was there anything in between? Or? Uh, a lot of stuff in between. So, after uni, I went to Sydney and I worked down there for a while. And then I moved back to the Gold Coast and I worked on um, the Asia-Pacific Masters Games, which is now called the Pan-Pacific Masters okay. Games, a multi-sport event for Masters athletes. We have some up here from time to time. And what were you doing there? Uh, sports officer, helping to organise all the sports. Then I worked on the um, I worked on the Sydney Olympics as well. I found dragon boat racing. Do you know what that yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. So I represented Australia at three World Dragon Boat Championships, and when I was twenty two, twenty four, and twenty seven in England, New Zealand, England, and Poland, actually. I met my now husband, who I've been with for 17 years, in a pub in Sydney. Oh, hang on. Let's just stop there and stop, take stop. a step back. For okay. those who don't know what dragon boat yes. racing is. So dragon boat racing is one big, long canoe with yeah. 20 paddlers, a drummer and a sweep. Uh, a sweep is the steerer and the drummer who keeps the yeah. time. So I represented Australia in women's team as well as mixed team. So that's the mixed team is the top fastest 10 men top fastest 10 women in australia and women is the top fastest 20 women in australia so i started doing that on the gold coast when i lived there in as i was 21 year old and then when i moved back to sydney um after that i carried on doing that so i enjoyed that a lot um you know and it was good to represent your country it was really fun so nottingham was the uh, new zealand wellington was the first one i went to as a 22 year old it was very windy lots of boats sunk in the ocean <laughs> that's not funny but not it is. so funny um nottingham was in on the regatta um so a uh, regatta um there so at the nottingham rowing club that was good fun and then Poland was interesting. So um, this was before Poland joined the EU. Right. It was still a bit Eastern Bloc, yeah. <laughs> still a bit post-Soviet. Um, but what happened in Poland was um, I fell in love with Poland. And after I did the World Championships in Poland, I stayed on there teaching English. Okay. Yes. If you've just joined us, I'm talking to Chrissy Regan and we're talking about Chrissy's life. Chrissy's been here a few times in the past promoting her books, but like I just said, this time I've asked Chrissy to talk about her life. Thank you. So, yes, fell in love with Poland, stayed in Poland. I guess I have lived in a few different places. After the Sydney Olympics, I went to live in Vietnam for a year. Yeah. Uh, I travelled all over Asia. Then after the World Championships in Poland, I stayed in Poland teaching English to NATO soldiers, factory workers and children. Uh, Then I moved to the UK. So this was in 2003 in December. And then my now husband and I were married in 2004. And at the time, I told my parents I would be in the UK for two years. I came home 16 years later with two babies (laughs) in a shipping container. (laughs) So, yes. and. And in that time, I guess, I'd finished my days of dragon boating and I was ready to embark on a serious career because I couldn't have fun for the rest of my life, right? <laughs> I needed to stop spending all my money doing fun sports stuff and I needed to make money for a life. So I focused on my career then and I was quite successful 
project managing and working on big sporting events. So, you know, I went to the Beijing Olympics and South Africa Football World Cup, Brazil World Cup, lots of other big sporting events, but I was being paid to work as opposed to um, paying to participate. So I was very lucky. I've continued my passion and love of sport as a career. So how do you career. get these jobs at, say, the London Olympics? Do you just go and knock on the no, door? No, you just turn up and say, I'm here. Can I have a job, please? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think this is something that country kids have, which is a little bit of um, gumption, you know. We have, we're not scared to ask for things. So if I saw opportunities, I would explore them. You know, if I saw I wanted to do something, I'd figure out how to do it. Yeah. Um, I would put myself out there and meet people and um, not be afraid to ask questions. You know, if I was, I backpacked around the world on my own. If I needed money and I needed a job, I would just say, can I have a job, please? The first Mm. time I walked into Harrods in London, I was offered a job. (laughs) The first time (laughs) I walked into a pub in Dublin, I was offered a job (laughs) because I could hold a conversation. I wasn't intimidated by anybody and i had been working in retail and customer service all my life you know i often joke now that growing up on the cattle station you know from the age of two and a half three we used to have to bake everything kill everything cook everything from scratch so from the age of three i've been working in catering where we would be preparing five meals a day And um, so I was always able to get a job in catering. <laughs> <laughs> so who were you cooking for on the station, the hands? Yeah, there was 17 men usually yeah, okay. plus four kids. You know, we didn't have electricity, I think, yeah. until I was eight. We had the old-fashioned fridges with the gas light thingy underneath. Yep. We had old-fashioned ovens, wood-burning ovens. We didn't have a dishwasher, I think, till I was about nine. That was like a godsend when we finally got a dishwasher because mm-hmm. mum and dad had four kids. We were the dishwashers, yeah. you know. Yeah. That was our – I hated it. Every every evening after dinner, the men would go back to the quarters and mum and dad would go to watch the news on the telly and us four kids would left to fight it out in the kitchen to who got to wash up. <laughs> there was loads of big fights. <laughs> Welcome to any house. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> That's any house. Yeah. Okay, so after the London Olympics? Um, London Olympics was in 2012 and I wanted to start trying for a family. I wasn't very successful at doing that naturally, as I mentioned to you when I was here the first time. So I needed to engage science to do that. So I spent, um, I still carried on working on the uh, Football World Cup, which was in Brazil in 2014. But in the meantime, I wanted to travel less and spend more time trying to get pregnant. So I did that um, and then twenty had my first child at the middle of 2014 um, and then thought I could go back to working as I had been before I became a mother. You know, someone mm. says, oh, we've got this great project in Tokyo and you'd be perfect for it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, I can do that. <laughs> Needless to say, <laughs> it wasn't the greatest work experience of my life, leaving my baby at home whilst I was travelling back and forth to Tokyo. So um decided that I didn't really want that career anymore. So, okay, where were you living? In London. In London, and you're travelling to Tokyo. How often? Uh, well, in a year it was four times. But the thing is, when you go to Tokyo, you don't just go for a night. That's you want right. to go for a week. Okay. So there were four times. The longest period I was away was 13 days. Yeah. And I think on day two we had an earthquake. That was fun. 
Just to, just to mix it up a bit. Just to make me realise that, you know, I was in earthquake country and yeah. you've not experienced an earthquake, so we'll show you what one looks like. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yes, I remember being under the table with this guy looking at me who I didn't know very well. I'd only known him for about a week. And we were looking into each other's eyes thinking, you're the last person I might see right now. So... <laughs> And after that, I decided I never wanted to be away from my children more than 24 hours yeah. by, you know, more than a few hours by car. 24, 12 hours by plane was too much. Yeah. Yeah. So now when I undertake travel, I know that I can be home in a short time or they're with me. Yeah. And, you know, I've made compromises in my professional life since I've become a mother, but also I've been able to explore other areas, which, you know, like writing a book, for mm. instance. And now mm. I've just written my second book, which is a children's book. Yep. So I'm grateful for that. So, yeah, my life has taken some swings and roundabouts, yeah. but I've been, you know, I think I've always said yes to opportunities that were presented to me and, like, looked for new things to do. Um because I want life to be interesting, I guess. Yeah. So what made the decision to come back to Australia? Mm. What, well, when what you have there? two babies far, far from home, you kind of realise that you are all alone in the world with people responsible to you. And I was, I had been gone 16 years, and every two years I'd say to my parents, two more years, two more years, two more years, and 16 years went by. So I thought um, after the second one that I was ready to come home. Yeah. And I joked with my – well, I didn't joke. I made the decision on my own at 3 o'clock in the morning in February 2018 that we were moving home. What's Hubby think of this idea? Well, he was asleep in the other room, so he didn't get any say in it. He was sleeping while I was breastfeeding the baby. So a few days later I said to him, um, I've made the decision we're going home this year. And he said, oh, okay, where will we live? And I said, well, we can look at the Sunshine Coast or the Gold Coast because I didn't think we could afford to live in Sydney in a nice house with a view of the sea. <laughs> so um, we, I started looking and applying for schools and things for my daughter um, on the Sunshine Coast. And then one night my sister messaged me. She was in Townsville with four children, four boys, that she um, had hired a Ford Festiva driving university student because she needed backup you know, someone to help her run around, pick up the kids. And I suddenly had this epiphany, I'll be your backup. <laughs> so I didn't tell my husband. A few days later, I said to him, so um, I've decided we're moving to Townsville. And he said, like bloody hell we are. <laughs> I said, well, I'm holding the baby and that's where we're going. So I didn't tell anyone for a few months that we were moving to Townsville. I made sure I had all of my thoughts and ideas and plans in motion before I told my family we're yeah. not only A, are we coming home, but B, we're going to be living in Townsville. So there was a lot of excitement around that because my sister's in Townsville, my parents, my brother in Charters Towers and my other brother in Brisbane obviously comes up for work quite frequently. So now yeah. I see my family a lot more than I used to, put it that way. And what does Hubby think of the idea of being in Townsville? Well, he was lucky to get a job right away and the people that he works with have been welcoming and kind and he can see what kind of life we have here. You know, if we were living in London this year, it just would have been oh, yeah, abysmal. And, yeah. you know, things have got worse there again now, yeah. as you can see. And... Um, you know, I still have a life there. I still have work there. I still have friends there. We have family there. I'm go. I feel like I'm still living what they're going through yeah. because it's still a part of our life. And um, 
you know, my daughter, my eldest one, she says to me all the time, Mum, will we ever go back and live in London? Mum, will we, um, can we go to London for this, to see my friend? And I'm like, not this year, darling, no. not this year. And yeah. when will this coronavirus be over? <laughs> you know, and it's really hard. And yeah. I know my, we've just had our two year anniversary of moving back. And I know that my husband would love to see his family. Naturally. It's yeah. a challenge, you know, and, um, Recently, even someone said, oh, you can come back. And I said, well, I can come back. But then when I get back here, I have to be in quarantine and I have two small kids. So that's yeah. kind of difficult. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. Doesn't sound like fun. No, yeah. it's a lot of compromise. But, you know, it's um, I have feel just really know that we made the decision to move at the right time. Yes. It's been the best thing for the family and f also, you know, for me, because when I got back, my health was very poor. Yeah. And so I've, you know, spent time and my an effort to improve my health and that's why I've written this book to share that with others. Yeah, time really has caught up with yes, us. Yes, thank you. Thanks. So I hope you've learnt something about me now. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy Regan, thank you very much. Thank you, Charlie. Bye.